It's time for All Hands on Tech. Climb on board as we explore all the amazing things happening in Nova Scotia's tech sector. Each episode, we'll chat with local experts to uncover the secrets of what makes Nova Scotia the best place for collaboration, innovation, and creativity. All Hands on Tech is proudly produced by Digital Nova Scotia, the industry association for Nova Scotia's growing tech sector. Welcome back to All Hands on Tech. I'm Ashley. And I'm Claire. Are you tired of hearing crickets after you hit publish? Or maybe you're just getting started on your marketing journey. If so, you'll want to keep listening. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of Foundation, a global marketing agency that provides services to organizations all over the world, ranging from some of the fastest growing startups to global SaaS brands. Ross Simmons was named one of Atlantic Canada's top 50 CEOs. He's a public speaker, an angel investor, the author of multiple books. Need I say more? Without further ado, it's our pleasure to welcome Ross to the podcast today to hear his come up story and, of course, talk all things marketing. Welcome to All Hands on Tech. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you both today. This is going to be fun. So fun. We're super excited to have you here. Likewise. We, uh, Ross was the keynote speaker at our Tech Forward Awards in... Yes. September? Like last November, I November? think. November? Yeah. Um, Time flies. And he did <laughs> he did an awesome job, Thank so you. we're really excited to kind of dive deeper today, Ross, and le- learn a little bit more about you. So to kick things off, can you tell us more about Foundation Marketing, yeah. what you do, and how it's evolved over the years? For sure. So Foundation Marketing is a content marketing firm. Uh, we work with SaaS companies all over the globe with them developing their content marketing strategies as well as executing it. So if I was to take you back into time a little bit to kind of where it all began, um, I was a young kid out of university university, working out of my parents' basement, drinking instant coffee all the time. And it turned out that I fell in love with this thing called the internet. I had a blog all dedicated to fantasy football. I was writing this while going to St. Mary's and I was getting tons of traffic from all over the globe. That's when it clued into me that this internet thing was going to last. So I went all in. I started to continue to create content online, but my marks started to go down. So as my marks went down, the traffic to my blog went up. My mom made me make a very quick decision to end my fantasy football career and shift over to writing about marketing. So I started up a site, rawsimmons.com, started to write about marketing, started to get emails from people all over the globe. It didn't make sense to me. I remember a Fortune 500 CMO sent me an email. Again, I was probably 23 years old, living in my parents' basement. I was in overdraft. I was broke. And they were like, hey, Ross, can we fly you out to Miami to speak on how to do marketing to millennials? I was like, this is wild. This makes no sense. But sure, let's do it. My parents thought I was going to get killed. They were like, this makes no sense. But I did it anyway. I went out and I was like, okay, this internet thing, I need to continue to go all in. So I kept creating content, started up an account on social, started to talk about business, started to talk about marketing, and more and more people started to take notice. Um, And then I was like, I'm going to turn this into a business. So started to do this type of thing, creating content like I was doing for myself, for other companies. Those companies were successful. They started to introduce me to their friends, their people started to get flown out to speak at more events, um, started to realize I can't do all of this myself, started to build a team, hired my first Nova Scotian, continued to hire more Nova Scotians and was able to build up an amazing team, an amazing squad. And then growth continued. As we continued to grow, started to work with some of the biggest names in software like MailChimp and Canva and things like that. We're like, whoa, this is really taking off. Continued to expand all throughout the US, Europe and beyond. And you fast forward to today and we're still doing that stuff today. So creating content for some of the biggest and most ambitious brands in the world as well as some up-and-coming startups and having a ton of fun while we do it. And one thing that's interesting about Foundation that's a lot different and at the time um, was kind of polarizing for a lot of people in in the industry is we've been remote since the beginning. So since Mm -hmm. 2014, 
we've been 100% remote. And a lot of people were saying, Ross, you're wild. You can't be creative if you're not remote. If you're not all in the same room, there's no way that you can run a marketing firm. Like, you folks are creative. How do you do that? It's not possible. Um, and when COVID hit, I got a lot of emails from those same people asking, Ross, how do you do this thing? <laughs> um, so yeah. you look back in time and it's like that ability to be remote and provide that type of experience just upfront gave us the ability to kind of ride the wave amidst COVID and stuff like that just quite well and not really have a, a significant ding to the culture because we were remote from the beginning in the first place. So that's a long story to a very <laughs> short question, but yeah. um, I hope that gives a, a bit of a rundown on the come up, so to speak. Very yeah. cool. That's a really cool story because, you know, you started the company based on kind of just doing what your passion was at the beginning, which is super fun. Yeah. Sounds like it's been like a fun ride the whole way. A hundred percent. I'm a big believer in just like experimenting in life. And I've always embraced that. And I try to embrace that within our culture today. We do this thing every Wednesday called Wired in Wednesday. And it gives the team to just like put in their headphones, drink coffee. And we have rarely any meetings on the agenda. And people can just do things, just build things, create things, come up with ideas experiment with their projects that they're working on, experiment with things that they want to build, all of that stuff. And I think it's it's key to really finding innovation and unlocking new opportunities. So um, experimentation has kind of guided my career and I'm still tinkering to this day. Over the course of the time of running foundations, I've run everything from cleaning companies all the way through to software companies and beyond. Um, and it's just like a, a constant obsession with trying new things and having fun with this wild thing we call life. That's so cool. And I feel like it makes such a difference when the CEO of a company is passionate about what they're doing. You know, I think that makes such a such a huge difference. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, Thank you. That. Yeah. Like I can <laughs> go for a second, but like last weekend I spent some time just playing with AI and I was toying with this new app that allows you to upload a photo of yourself and essentially create a deep fake of yourself. So I launched this deep fake of me doing kind of what I'm doing now, just talking. And I wrote the script, I uploaded the script, it took a video of me and it just like blinked for me, it spoke for me, wow. it moved for me, wow. all of this stuff. You can check it out on my Twitter, at the coolest cool. But like those types of experiences just set you up in the future to kind of just unlock new innovation and new opportunities. And I think it's uh, it's something that people should just pick up a hobby of experimenting. Like it's, uh, it's fun, it's fun to do. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to get into AI and some other questions. Cool. Um, but first, we have some rapid fire questions for you just to get to know you a little All bit right. more. Um, I'll start things off. Uh, what's more valuable, I guess, a podcast sponsorship or a YouTube sponsorship? Oh, um, I would say it depends. This is what every marketer should yeah. say. Yeah. Always. The answer is always it depends. It depends on the reach of the podcast or the YouTube channel right. um, itself. But I would say right now, simply due to reach, YouTube would probably be number one. Okay. Interactive or static content? Interactive every single time. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah. Um, are you on threads? Yes. There's probably no channel I'm not on. Okay. And follow up to that, should businesses be on threads? Some. Some should be on threads. Okay. Um, it depends on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this in 2028 and threads is still existing, then you should be on threads yesterday. Um, if you're listening to this in 2023, eh, ask yourself if you have time, if your audience is actually there, and whether or not you can actually create content that's worth following on that platform. Great answer. And now we have a Nova Scotia question. Yes. What do you prefer, tidal bore rafting or whale watching? Tidalbore rafting. Oh, he's an adventure time. guy. I'm an adventure guy. I love <laughs> to be uh, at risk with my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've heard how foundation marketing got to where it is today. So I'm curious, what are some unique challenges or opportunities did you experience growing your business here in Nova Scotia? 
Yeah, so the biggest challenge that I think I faced would have been, there's two big challenges that I believe I faced being in Nova Scotia and trying to kind of get it out to the masses and work with some of these brands. The first one was a self-limiting belief. It was the self-limiting belief that because you're in Nova Scotia, because you're in Halifax, you can only work with local businesses and that you can only do business with other businesses in the region. That was a self-limiting belief that I held for a very long time. Even though people would email me, I still kind of set my targets and set my goals around local companies. I wanted to work with the organizations that were in my backyard, when in reality, all I needed to do was put myself out there to say that I can work with these other brands and ultimately that's what happened. Um, so that's a self-limiting belief that I think a lot of Nova Scotians have is that you think you can only work within Atlantic Canada um, as like your target audience when in reality the globe is possible thanks to the internet. The second challenge was just making the time to actually get on a plane to go to these different regions in these different areas. The time zones are a challenge, no question about it. We have a bunch of people who we work with that are on the West Coast. And that's challenging sometimes to have a call at 5 p.m. their time. It's like your night. Things like that can be difficult. We don't really always have an amazing direct flight into a lot of major cities and things like that. And that can be a challenge too. But it's a part of the game. I love Nova Scotia. I love being here. I love raising my family here. Um, I wouldn't change that for the world. And I think um, with the reality of that just being the reality and you kind of saying, okay, this is the circumstance I need to overcome it. It's an easy thing to overcome, right? Like that's not a, a major challenge, a major obstacle. There are way more difficult things that you can have to go against in your life. And for me, those are two that I've essentially either come to terms with, or I've been able to overcome and just see um, that the possibilities are really endless at the end of the day. Any unique opportunities then that Nova Scotia kind of afforded you in your business? Oh, 100%. I think uh, the most interesting thing about being in Nova Scotia is it's a very easy transport to Europe. And um, I've done a lot of business in Europe in various regions over there. So uh, we have got great relationships as a country and as a province with European countries and things like that. So I've been able to do a lot of work out of Stockholm, a lot of work out of Europe, um, and have built some amazing relationships. And those folks oftentimes will make Nova Scotia first destination because from Frankfurt to Halifax, we have a direct flight. So things like that are um, definitely beneficial in that regards. And then outside of that, I think that the people locally are um, amazing in the sense that they're always there to support. I think there's a thriving tech community. I have spent a lot of time um, in the tech community locally and where there's a very openness around sharing ideas, giving support and giving guidance to folks. Um, and that's one thing that I love. There's always someone you can tap into to get support, especially in the early days. Um, in the eyes of many, I'm probably one of the old guys now in the tech scene. <laughs> I've been around for a while, but um, for people who are just coming up, like I strongly encourage you to tap into the scene, tap into the community, build your network, because those relationships that you build early on are going to become lifelong friendships as you go through your career and throughout your life. Yeah, that's great advice. And that's something that we care about a lot too, networking and, you know, connecting with others in the tech community. It's such a good community here. So yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It is. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into marketing. Could you provide some insights into how content marketing can be leveraged to reach millions of people worldwide? What strategies have you found that are particularly effective? Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges that a lot of brands face, or even humans face when it comes to creating content online and trying to reach the masses, is they don't really have a blueprint on exactly what type of content they should create. What type of stories should they tell? What type of messages should they get out there to the world? 
I always say there's four simple types of content that you should try to create online. And if you're not creating a type of content that falls into these four categories, you're probably not creating content that can actually reach millions or even hundreds of people because it's just mediocre content. It's what I call the four E's. It's content that's educational, engaging, entertaining, or empowering. If you create content that falls into one of those four categories, you have the ability to reach millions and generate millions on the back of the content assets that you create. When I say educate, it doesn't always have to be a lecture. It doesn't always have to be super formal. It can be fun, but just teaching someone something new, providing them with new information that they didn't have before. People love that content. There's a reason why we get books when we're kids, because we all want information. There's a reason why Google is the number one website in the world, because people go to Google to find information. And if you can educate people, whether it's through YouTube, through podcasts, through written word, whatever it may be, the format depends on your own skill set and your own capabilities. If you can tap that and educate the masses on a topic that might be very niche, you can unlock some amazing returns. This works on the local level all the way up to the national level. If you are running a small business and you are trying to tap into your local region, start to educate people on how to use your product. Start to educate people on how to achieve a certain thing that your product provides. All of that type of information is extremely valuable. The second E that I mentioned is engaging. You have to recognize that the internet is not just a billboard. You can't just go up there and start screaming at the top of your lungs and preach at the top of your lungs. This buy, 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 buy. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. People are going to say, all right, just chill out a bit. You need to relax. Let's have a conversation. You need to embrace having dialogue with folks online. And that's a key. Third one, entertainment. If you can make people smile, it's the easiest way into their heart. If you can get into someone's heart, you can get them to buy from you. That's a simple way to start generating millions, but also it's a great way to get reach because more people like it, they laugh, they smile, they're gonna share it on their social media accounts. And then the final one is empowering people. If you can empower people to feel good about themselves in a time where a lot of people actually feel very down, uncertain about their times, uncertain about themselves, there is nothing better than you can create to make people feel good. Inspiring content, motivational content, empowering content that lift people up is what the world actually needs now more than ever before. So if you can create that type of content, you're doing a benefit for the masses and you have the benefit from a capitalistic perspective of also probably generating some good money on the back of it as well. So when you look at those four types of content, I believe if you can commit to educational, engaging, entertaining, or empowering content as the types of stories that you create, you can create content that ultimately shapes culture and that content can ultimately reach millions of people for years to come. Is there is there one that kind of works the best or is it like yeah. you have to have all four? You don't need all four. Okay. Educational content works the best if you are trying to generate sales in the world of B2B. Okay. Engaging content works the best if you're in B2C um, because you're selling to humans who are just buying like a lollipop or mm -hmm. getting their hair done, whatever that might be. That type of content works extremely well there. Entertaining content works extremely well if you are in the entertainment industry or if you are in an industry where your brand has a little bit of a quirk to it, empowering content works ridiculously well in nonprofit and charity in those mm -hmm. spaces. Right. So if you are in a different area, you have to figure out like what is our space, which category should we invest in, and some brands are going to invest a little bit into each. That makes sense for them. Some are just going to go all in aggressive on one specific E. But at the end of the day, it depends on the brand. Okay. And I guess follow up, just because I'm curious, you had yeah. mentioned like dialogue online. Mm. Do you find like, companies have problem with that or like how do you even create the dialogue because sometimes yeah. you post things out there and you're not getting any traction on it is it really like you have to go out and be commenting on other people's yeah. things or yeah how does that work I think it's a it's a blend of both right like I think a lot of companies are afraid to ask questions or mm -hmm. to 
put out there the idea that they want to have a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And one of the simple mental shifts that you can have is you do not always have to be the conversationalist. You can be the person who facilitates a dialogue. So if you can be the brand that puts up a question that says, do you like this or this? And people start having conversations, then that is a good thing because people are now having conversations on the content that you've put out there. Mm -hmm. Every single time somebody comments on that post, your brand is now showing up in front of all of that individual's followers in their account. So that gives your brand additional reach. As this happens time and time and time again, and you are constantly being seen as the facilitator of this dialogue, something special happens. It's called a community starts to get built. If you are the person who is facilitating this dialogue, a community starts to get built where they're having conversations and you don't even need to get involved. Mm -hmm. That is special because now if somebody says something bad about your brand, this community that already built up a ton of goodwill with your company is now going to go up to bat for you and have conversations on your behalf to take care of your customer support challenges and any issues that might arise. Okay. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah. I think some companies from, you know, just looking at like my own Instagram page, Mm. I think they try to just hop right, kind of like skip some steps and they just ask random questions and then no one, they'll be like, what's your favorite color? And then you see like no comments comments. and it's so awkward, but it's like, well, what does that have to do with what you're trying to, you know, it's just like inauthentic a little bit. So um, I think it's, you know, if you've seen it, if you think of it as like a community perspective, like what are you trying to build here? That's it. Like what questions are going to resonate? Right. Then that's going to have a lot more power yeah. than uh, just a random. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of times brands also underestimate how their audience does play a factor into all of this. Right. Like you can't just put up a post and think, oh, look how mighty we are. We're great. So you folks have to comment on my content. It doesn't work like that. Mm. If you don't have an existing relationship with the people who follow you, it's not going to work. Like right. so many brands especially on the smaller scale, um, embrace this like faceless brand where there's no human behind it, where there's no story, there's no person. You don't see the people behind the account and they expect people to engage. It doesn't work. Like unless you are Louis Vuitton and you have established brand equity in the market for hundreds of years, you can't just expect people to care about your small business. You have to demonstrate that you care about them for people to care about you. So you have to care in the comments. If somebody's complaining, be there fast, Mm -hmm. quick, respond, show empathy. And because that response, that interaction is in front of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But so many people overlook that. They don't realize that like your storefront is important. If somebody walked into your store, walked into your business and they started to complain, you would give them all of your attention. But when it happens on social media, we ignore it. Like Mm. what? Yeah. It's in front of everybody now. So you need to pay attention. That's like the most important thing to do. Right. I just, this is kind of an aside, but we're talking social media, so why not? But, you know, I started going to our studios recently. Cool. And I would, you know, I took a picture and posted it to my story just to be like, great class. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people now just like just repost it, which is fine. But they made a a point to say, how was the class? Love it. And then they reshared it. And to me, I was like, that's Mm -hmm. so sweet. They actually cared to like know how it went for me. So I love it. um, It just made a good experience for me. It makes sense. They do a great job. I follow their stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And they, they get it. They understand the space they understand their audience and yeah. they create content that uh, empowers their people engages their people they do it right yeah sure. they really focus on community so that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah, yeah. it's true awesome okay well i'm curious what are some of the newest emerging marketing trends uh mm. for you know the new year and how big of a role do you expect ai because of course that's the yeah. summer's hottest topic will play in marketing going forward Yeah, there's no question that AI has the world talking, and for good reason. It has fundamentally changed already the way that marketing creative 
all of it is done. Um, anyone who is ignoring it is making a huge mistake. I can say that point blank, 100% AI is going to change this industry. It already has in many ways. Um, there are a few different ways in which I think AI is going to have an impact. Um, but a lot of it is rooted in increases in productivity and efficiencies. The big mistake that a lot of businesses are making today is that they're viewing ChatGPT, they're viewing Jasper, all of these AI tools as essentially a replacement for writers, marketers, creators, strategists, all of that. Their thinking is completely broken. At the end of the day, you still need human touch to take the pieces that they would create, which will be mediocre content, and make them great. So if you actually want to create a great piece of content, then you need to still have a human editor, you still need to have an expert who can take the end result from these tools and turn it into something special. Will that be the case 10 years from now? Eh, I don't know. The tools, the technology is changing very quickly. Mm -hmm. But there's no question still to this day that like, I can say with confidence, I can still write a piece better than ChatGPT can, no matter how good your prompts are. Like, I can still do that, and I know people can do that. But there's no question in addition to that that if you're a mediocre writer, if you're a below average writer, you're going to have a very hard time. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a very difficult time competing with mm -hmm. these technologies because these technologies are essentially able to do everything that an early stage writer could do. Um, and that is also exciting because it means to those people who want to get into these spaces, it's time to level up, it's time to improve, it's time to invest in yourself, it's time to start understanding fundamentals and some methodologies that ChatGPT might not even be able to pick up. When it comes to the AI technology, um, it's sh redefining the way that written content is created. No question about it. You can go to ChatGPT. You can ask it to write you a blog post. You can ask it to um, write it in a certain style, and it can give you that within the matter of seconds. We've started to use tools like Jasper and AI tools in our processes at Foundation where we're creating hundreds of blog posts every single month within a fraction of the amount of time mm -hmm. that it took before, and we're getting significant results on the back of it through SEO and traffic. But in addition to this, what a lot of people aren't realizing is tools like Midjourney, which is an AI tool that allows you to create visuals, is going to completely redefine the way that stock images are done. Stock images, that entire industry, I believe is at a significant risk because I can go to Midjourney today and say, I want a photo of three people on a podcast and it will give that back to me and I will have complete rights control over that imagery. I can upload it, I can modify it, and I can use it. I can say I want a picture of milk, and it will give me milk. I want water, it will give me water, and it will look super real. I put up a post on my LinkedIn a few weeks back, and I showed um, two pictures of apple pie. I said, which one is real? And there was a 50-50 split between the wow. AI and the real apple pie. 50-50 split. Yeah, You wow. can't tell. You really can't tell. And I think this is where we are with this technology and it's gonna to continue to improve. It's gonna continue to change. Currently, I'm working on trying to create a short film on the back of Midjourney as well as this AI tool that creates movies because I'm a geek who likes to experiment yeah. with things, but um, the, the opportunities are endless. I don't think, I think the only limit is creativity and your own imagination when it comes to these mm -hmm. tools, but it's gonna fundamentally change everything. It's an exciting time, but it's also kind of scary when you're talking about making a movie completely with AI, know. you know? It's true. Um, which is obviously why things are happening in the world today yeah. that are happening, like with yeah. the writer's strike and everything. It's but true. Yeah, but exciting nonetheless. It is. I think, you know, when I talk to people about AI and, you know, when we were in Toronto for the big collision tech conference, I yeah. was like, 
all that anyone talked right, about. Right. And there's kind of both sides to that. Like people yeah. are really obviously excited about it, but there's some people who are a little nervous about it. Right. Um, but it's like think about any any other kind of technology that disrupted everything. So the telephone, internet, True. calculators, cars. Google, cars. It's like everything. Everyone thought, well, then who's gonna do this now? It's gonna take away jobs, but it's yeah. like it disrupts things, but then it creates new opportunities. And now people exactly. when they use a calculator, they can they do can do more problems in an hour than they that's could it. before. So it's just like it's creating new opportunities. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the way we should look at it versus what is it taking away? Yeah. Because any change will take things away, but it'll also bring things to the table. So. It's gonna take a lot of things away. I totally. think the, the reality is we can fight back get upset and get all angry or we can just accept the fact that this is literally what us as humans do. Yeah. We literally have done this from the beginning of time. Absolutely. It is not going to change. We always are trying to create new things. We're always trying to improve and find ways to be more efficient, be more effective. That's literally how we even survive. Medicine is only medicine because we constantly are pushing the envelope with mm. new technologies and new innovation. So the moment that we say, oh yeah, we shouldn't continue to proceed with right. AI, it's literally the moment where we slow down our ability to stop some of the most life issues, the biggest life issues that exist today, right? Like we would be limiting our own ability to get closer to cures to diseases, mm -hmm. stop world hunger, like all of these things. If we said, all right, pause, let's take a break. Let's mm. not do this. And we're also opening up to other people who aren't going to listen, who aren't going to pause saying, all right, we're going to accelerate our investment in this. And then they do harm with that technology. So to me, it's a mistake if you're like, oh, no, we shouldn't do all this AI totally. stuff. Because at the end of the day, if the good guys don't do it, mm -hmm. the bad guys will. And yeah. if the bad guys do it first, look out. It's not going to be a good outcome for anybody. So um, I'm excited by it. I think it's going to shake things up. But I can rem remember like back in the day, there was someone whose job was in the bowling alley to put all the pins back. Right. right. Totally. That job doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's okay. Right. That person found a new job. They right. found a new role. They figured it out. And we all continue to live life. The mm -hmm. same thing will happen with AI. Is it going to replace some roles? Yes. Is that unfortunate? Yes. But at the end of the day, that's what humans do. Mm -hmm. Totally. It'll Good create point. new ones. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So switching gears a little bit here yeah. to kind of talk back, uh, talk again about some content. Let's do it. So content obviously is great, mm -hmm. but it's not very effective if nobody sees it. True. In a world full of noise, how do you cut through to ensure that your great content reaches who you're trying to reach? Yeah. The key is distribution. So um, one of the I'm convinced that right now someone listening to this podcast has probably created an amazing piece of content, an amazing story to tell. They've created some great videos. They probably created a great podcast, but it didn't get the reach that it deserved. It didn't reach the right amount of people, so it never took off. And they're sitting there thinking, oh, I have a flop. I have a mediocre piece of content, mm -hmm. but it's actually great. They just didn't tap into distribution. And distribution is one of the most underrated forces that exist, I believe, in the world. When you think about the entire media industry and newspapers and the way that that whole world kind of exploded and then diluted, it is directly connected to distribution. In the past, newspapers had direct access to the front doorstep of every single person in a region, in a country, in a province, whatever. That gave them an unparalleled advantage. Everyone wanted to buy space in the newspaper because they got access, distribution, to everybody's doorstep. As time went on, 
this new thing started to show up that wasn't even at your doorstep. It was in your pocket. It was called a phone. So now newspapers and content creators had access to everyone's pocket. New opportunity for distribution. People started removing the subscription to a newspaper showing up at my door. I now get it in my pocket. This is a new area of distribution. The same thinking needs to be applied for businesses. When you are trying to get your story out there, you need to maximize your distribution opportunities. You need to look at the channels where your audience is spending time and ask yourself, how can I get this story to spread amongst my people, the people who I want to connect with? And so often do we make the mistake of thinking, oh, I press publish on this on LinkedIn on Monday. I'm never going to share it again. That's a huge mistake. The people who are listening to this podcast right now might be listening to it on a Tuesday. Great, thank you for listening. But guess what? There's also going to be people online on Thursday that didn't happen to be online when it got promoted, when it got shared, that should also see this podcast. So what do you do? You constantly distribute the content. The pieces of content that go live today should be promoted next week. They should be promoted the month after. They should be promoted the year after that because the stories, if they're good, will still resonate with people. They'll still add value to people. But for some reason, people are fearful of being judged by being too promotional online. They're fearful of being unfollowed when in reality, nobody actually cares. Nobody cares. If you put up a post twice in a year, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Nobody, mm -hmm. literally no one. Everybody's worried about whether or not they're going to make it to their besties wedding that's out of town. <laughs> Everybody's worried about whether or not so-and-so liked their posts or not. Nobody cares. Just share your content. Promote it. Yeah. Like, everybody is scared to promote their content and they shouldn't be. Brands and humans alike. I mean, you answered my question because my follow-up is going to be like, what if people are afraid of being muted? <laughs> right. You know, like if you yeah. post too much. Because, I mean, I have muted people before. Right. And that's okay. <laughs> that means that their content wasn't for you. That's true. Right? Like true. if somebody mutes me, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because it means I, was, I wasn't going to sell to them anyway. Yeah. So that's okay. That is completely okay. If you mute me, if you unfollow me, I am completely okay with it. Because guess how many people are in the world? Billions, mm -hmm. literally billions of people. But we're afraid because of one out of billions people might unfollow you. Right. It's it's a it's a scarcity mindset. Like a lot of people think that, oh, I have five people that unfollowed me today. Who cares? Mm -hmm. It's five people like that is not enough people to actually lose sleep over. But people will. People mm -hmm. will. And I think um, it's something that holds brands back too. like a lot of brands are afraid to put up more than one post a day. Why? You should put up content literally as frequently as you can. If it's good, if it's educational, engaging, entertaining, or empowering content, promote it every single day. Because right now, right now at this moment, there's a piece of content that somebody has created that would solve a major life problem that somebody has, but that person's still struggling because somebody won't get over their own ego to share it again mm -hmm. because they didn't. That is a reality today. Like somebody is at home trying to figure out marketing and trying to figure out social media and they're on their feed right now. But because I'm not sharing something, they're going to continue to struggle. And that guilt should be on everybody's heart because they should promote their content. Everybody should just promote it. If it's good, promote it. You will do the world a service by doing so. I was like, mic drop. <laughs> I get passionate about this stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, well, foundation marketing employs folks around the world. We've yeah. know, we talked about that. Um, and you're growing, which is super exciting. So it's kind of a two-part question. What's contributing yep. to the growth? And since you're hiring, why should people come and work at foundation? Great question. So um, the growth is connected to, I would say, the entire 
tech rise. Like yeah. there's just a continuous adoption of tech and solutions that help organizations. And when we do work with clients, they start to grow and we grow with them, which is great. So um, the growth is directly connected to that. But in addition to that, it's like we have great people doing great things with these clients and those clients are retaining. They're looking to grow their business further. So they're looking to continue to invest. The reason why people should apply for Roles with Foundation is one, you get to work with some of the most ambitious brands in the world right here in Nova Scotia. Um, I shouldn't say that I'm biased towards Nova Scotians, but I'm 100% biased towards <laughs> hiring people in you Nova Scotia. Um, and we love kind of working with people who are right here in our backyard. Like we love it. Um, and giving them the ability to work with some of these brands can be a huge accelerant for your career. Um, you get to do some innovative work that I don't think a lot of brands locally or even globally are doing. And you get to do it with, again, some of the brightest minds in B2B SaaS, in my opinion. So every day we're innovating, we're playing with tools, we're experimenting with tools. We do things like Wired in Wednesday where we give our team the ability to kind of just unplug and do their own thing. Um, we have an unlimited book budget where our team can buy any book they want at any point and expense it because we want to encourage this idea of learning and continuous learning. Um, we're big into performance and development and growth, uh, not only in as our business, but also in our people. And I believe truly that I will be able to, if I fast forward to the day I take my last breath, if I can say that some of the people who came through Foundation's doors went off and started or went into some of the best brands in the world, had amazing careers, were able to contribute to changing even their own life trajectory because they were able to get some investment from Foundation to grow and develop, then I'll be able to die happy. And it's, it's really that belief and commitment to growth in our people that I think differentiates us from a lot of people. There's no better feeling for me. If somebody decides to leave and they're going somewhere great, I am excited. I feel so good to know that we were a sliver of a chapter in their book to help them go somewhere and do some amazing things. If they stay with us, even better. They can grow here. They can grow a foundation. But at the end of the day, I just want to see great people do great things. And if we can be a place to help them do that, chef's kiss. Oh, I love that. You sound like such a wonderful boss. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, I feel like a lot of employers say that, you know, like we'll invest yeah. in you, you know, we'll put, you know, right. whatever you want to do. And that's yeah. not always the case. So I feel like, you Definitely. know, foundation actually means that. And, and we've talked to some really great organizations who have kind of similar cultures and you can tell, you can tell right. when you're talking to them, how happy they are to yeah. be working there, how yeah. excited they are. And, and that retains awesome talent. And, and if they choose to leave, like you said, then it makes a difference when you're right. pumped for them. Exactly. Like that makes the worlds of a difference, um, even how people exit a company. And then, yeah, so yeah. that's amazing. Uh, thank you. Cool. Appreciate it. Awesome. So I think that's really the end of our, our questions. I'm just going yeah. to open the floor to you. If there's anything you want to add or anything exciting that's coming up that you want to tell our listeners about, uh, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, no, I'd say follow me on all the various social media channels. I'm on all of them. I'm typically at The Coolest Cool. I started my Twitter handle when I was in university, and it stuck. It was a uh, iconic. throwback to the Lupe yeah. Fiasco, <laughs> The Cool. So um, that's kind of been my handle. Definitely would love to connect with anybody locally who's interested. If anybody is ever looking for guidance on how to make it in the wonderful world of digital marketing and tech, by all means, the DMs are always open. Um, and stay tuned for just more developments. I'm always creating content, sharing ideas freely online. Um, I believe that simple ideas can change the world and my goal is to distribute as many as I can so thank you both for having me it's been a blast chatting with you and uh, likewise if you ever have questions by all means feel free to send me a note awesome will do Thanks, thank Ross. you so much thank you 
Thanks for tuning in to All Hands on Tech. Interested in learning more? Visit us on our website at www.digitalnovascotia.com. We'll see you next time. This has been a Podstarter production. production.